This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. Genesis chapter 37. I have had people drive upwards to four hours to be in one of my services. But I've never had anybody fly from England to come hear me preach. Now that's my story and that's how it's going to end up. No, I know they had some business to take care of, but it is a pleasure to have the Millers with us tonight. I honor you and I thank you for your kingdom service. Genesis chapter 37, beginning with verse 1, please. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah, and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream. And told it his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. And his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. And he said to him, Go, I pray thee. See whether it be well with thy brethren and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. And a certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren, tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, They are departed hence, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. 
And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him, and cast him into some pit. And we will say some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. I want to preach to you for just a few moments tonight on living out the dream. Living out the dream. You may be seated this evening. It is evident through Scripture that Joseph was living in evil times. Corruption, ungodliness, and sinfulness were abounding. It was so bad that he went and reported all this evil to his father, one of the patriarchs of Scripture. And he said, there's much evil going on around us. And yet in the middle of the evil taking place around him, God gave him a dream. A dream that promised him that one day I will raise you to a place of prominence. I will raise you to a place of power. I will give you an authority over the evil around you. Now in this dream, God showed him that his brethren, his mother, and his father, and all those that were around would indeed bow to his authority. So when he tells his father and his brethren what is taking place, they mock him and they ridicule him and they cast it aside saying, he must be crazy. I can almost see his brethren who are older than he and he, he's standing there saying, well, you know, I'm going to be over you one day. They looked at him and said, you must be out of your mind if you think we, your elder brothers, are going to bow down to you. Now, I know my father. I love my father. He's a gentle person. But I don't know how well he would take it if I, his son, walked up to him and said, Dad, there's going to come a day where you're going to bow down to me. Now, if it were my mother, she'd say, I brought you in and, you know. Uh, but Dad, he, he, like Joseph's father, might have said, Son, you have to be crazy if you think me and Mama are bowing down to you. But the Scripture said, his father observed these things, which let me know that somewhere in the back of his mind, he's thinking, you know, God's given this boy something. There's something there. There's something about this dream. There's something there that it wasn't something he came up with. Surely God must have given him this dream. Now, when I look at us today, I see so much of Joseph and so much of what is taking place in this scripture happening with us. It is without question you and I are living in some of the most tumultuous days that this world has ever seen. All you have to do is flip through the phone and see your internet news feeds. And one after one, nothing but bad news, nothing but evil, nothing but division, and nothing but strife, and all sorts of evil taking place. When you watch the nightly news, you see nothing good. Everything is evil, and, and we talk a lot about it. In church, we'll go one to another and, and we'll say, well, did you hear the news today? And we'll preach sermons on it about how we're just living in the end times and things are just getting worse and worse. But, you know, I somehow have to believe that even in the midst of the evil that is surrounding God's people, God is giving his people a dream. It is a dream that's letting them know that though you may be amongst evil and, and though you may live in the midst of unrighteousness and unholiness, I'm going to raise you up to a place of prominence. I'm going to bring you to a position of power. I'm going to give you a, a success like you have never known before. Can I tell you tonight, 
I believe that God is trying to give a dream to every single minister here. He is trying to give a dream to every congregation that is represented. He is trying to give a dream to every member in this house. God is trying to place a dream in his people and I want to tell you friend, dreams do come true. You see, the Bible said that Joseph was hated because of his dreams. You know, when God gives his people a dream, you will not be liked. Now pardon me for a moment. I, I don't mean to talk badly about anyone, but you know, I know how it is as ministers. When God lays a dream in our heart and God shows us where he's wanting to take us, uh, we dare not tell anyone because there's going to be somebody out there that will hate you for that dream. And when they see your church prospering, when they see your ministry rising, they're eventually going to cast stones at it and, and they're going to talk about it because surely that can't be God's work. Even though it was God that gave you that dream and they see that God is prospering you, they're going to hate you for it. And there are some churches that will hate each other for it as well, not just ministers. But the membership, the leadership of the church, they'll complain and they'll gripe because that church over there is doing something or, or that congregation over there is growing and, and what's happening here, neighbor? You need to understand when God gives you a dream, it's not going to be easy to walk that dream through. In fact, you're going to make some people mad. You're going to lose some friends over it and you might even make a few enemies in your family and even in the house of God. But when God gives you a dream, don't worry about the haters. When God gives you a dream, you just keep your eyes on the prize. If God has given you a dream, do not let anybody that's hating you take it away from you. Now the Bible said that Joseph is sent to find his brethren. The Bible said that as he is journeying, his brethren see him coming from afar. Now I like what this says. When they saw him, they said, well, here comes that dreamer. Oh, now when I read that, something stirs inside of my heart. Can I tell you that if God has given you a dream, everybody that sees you walking up to them ought to stop and say, here comes that dreamer. Every time God gives you a dream for your church and for your ministry, you should not keep it inside. Though they hate you, keep right on telling everybody, here's the dream that God's given me. Here's the dream that he's told me was going to take place in my church. And here's the dream that God is going to give me. Can I tell you, Pastor, I believe that when you go to the post office to pick up the mail for the church, the postmaster general should stand up and say, well, here comes the dreamer of Sapona Road. I'm here to tell you tonight, when you go to the grocery store, every clerk that is there ought to rise up and say, well, I see the dreamer that's coming from the Sapona Road Church of God. When God has given you a dream, the people ought to be able to recognize it. But they said not only here comes a dreamer, but they said, you know, we got to kill him. We've got to kill him. Now, listen closely to me. I'm not expecting to get too much shouting here. When God gives someone a dream, there's always going to be somebody to try to kill that dream off. And, and, and notice what's taking place here. He was living in evil times. He was living in an evil culture. But it was not the culture trying to kill it off. It was not the world trying to kill it off. It was his family that was trying to kill it off. Oh, God, help me right here. When God gives the pastor a dream, 
when God gives the church a dream. You don't have to worry about the world killing it off. You've got to worry about those in the family that are trying to kill it off. Because there's always going to be somebody in the family that will rise up and say, well, we've never had to do that before. Or, well, I just don't believe that we can get that done. Or they just can't get it done without me. Or maybe we don't have enough money in the treasury to get it done. Or they didn't pass it by the board first. Can I tell you, neighbor, I believe that there are those in the house of God here tonight that every church that is represented, every ministry that is represented, there's somebody trying to kill it off but I've got some news for you tonight you cannot kill off what God has placed in somebody's heart you cannot destroy the dream you cannot destroy the vision that God has given to the church oh Tommy keep my monitors hot tonight you can turn me down out there keep these hot you cannot kill what God has brought to life in somebody's heart you see I'm, I'm afraid for people's lives when they try to kill the dream that God has given the church hear me when you fight against the dream that God has given the church, you are not fighting against the dream. You're not fighting against the preacher. What did God tell Samuel? They didn't reject you. They've rejected me. Oh, hear me tonight. I'm bringing a warning to somebody. You're standing in the way of God's dream for your church getting, to, getting done and getting accomplished. Hear me. God did not need you for the dream. And God doesn't have to keep you for the dream. His dream will get done with or without you. One way or the other, his dream will become accomplished and his dream will be fulfilled. What you must do is you must stop and learn that God is sovereign, that God is king, and that God is ruler. And when he gives that dream, it doesn't matter who does not believe it. It doesn't matter if you do not have the money in the bank. It does not matter if you do not have the numbers in the pew. It does not matter if you have the association of your brothers and sisters all that matters is that you keep your eyes on the prize and you keep your feet on the trail and you say God gave me the vision he gave me the dream and I'm going to get it fulfilled oh somebody lift up your hand and say God help us tonight you see God has given a dream and there will be those that try to kill it off and there will be those in the church I think I'm talking to some ministers tonight I don't know why there will be those that will rise against you. And there will be those that will fight against that dream. But when they do, don't take it personally. No. Don't take it personally. They fought against the Son of God. And even after they had hung him up on a cross, he just said, Lord, just forgive them. They do not know what they do. Now, I like that because, hear me, those brothers thought that if they kill it off, they will kill the dream and they will kill it from coming to pass. So what did they decide to do? Finally, the younger brother steps in and said, well, hey, you know, let's not kill them. Let's just throw them in this pit because I see a band of Ishmaelites coming over and if we can just sell him, if we can just ship them somewhere else. We have a lot of members that sometimes try to do that when the 
pastor has a dream, let's just ship them off. That's good preaching right there. They said, well, let's not, let's not kill them. Let's just ship them off because if we can ship them off, then we'll let somebody else deal with the dream. They know not what they do. Because when the Ishmaelites came, they bought him. But they did not buy him to keep him. They bought him to sell him. They said, well, if we can get him at a good price, we can take him somewhere else and sell him and make some money off of this guy. So in that journey, he is thrown into a pit. I can see him in that pit. Well, God, I thought, I thought you gave me a dream. You know, we have a lot of ministries that are in the pit saying, God, you, you gave me a dream, but what, what's, what's going to happen? How, how's it going to be fulfilled if I'm in a pit? The Ishmaelites come and they take him away and they buy him, but they get to a place and they find a buyer for their purchase. It wasn't just any old place. It happened to be in Egypt. <laughs> they know not what they do. Because those that were trying to kill it off, those that thought that they were trying to destroy you, and those that thought they were trying to end your ministry, and those that thought that they were trying to kill off your dream, Joseph later said, what they meant for evil, God meant it for good. I want to tell you, friend, those of you who are fighting against the will of God, those of you who are fighting against the will of God Almighty, you're not stopping it. You're just helping it plug along a little bit quicker. You're just helping the preacher get where he needs to be. You're just helping the leadership to get to that place God wants them to be. Hear me tonight. You can fight it, but all you're doing is helping the process along. Oh, yeah. So the Bible said that he gets to Egypt. He's there. And he's sold into Potiphar's home. Now, Potiphar was a governor. He was a ruler. And for some reason, Potiphar looked at this man and thought, you know, that's a good worker right there. I'm going to take him out of the field and I'm going to bring him into my home. The scripture said that even in the midst of having been sold, even in the midst of being enslaved, God gave him favor. I want to tell you here tonight, the devil can do everything he can to fight against you. But as long as you have the hand of God, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost for just a moment. As long as you can have the hand of God resting upon your soul, it doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter where you land. It doesn't matter who fights against him. As long as you have his hand upon you, the favor of God will rest in your life. As long as you have the favor of God, it doesn't matter what tomorrow holds. It doesn't matter how long it takes for the dream to come to pass. As long as you have the hand and the favor of God upon you, everything's going to be all right. So he gets to Potiphar's house. And the Bible said that one day Mrs. Potiphar, in our North Carolina language, takes a liking to him. And she looks at him and she finds him to be favorable. You know, he's a pretty boy and he must have been handsome and pleasing to the eye. And so a sparkle in her eye began to twinkle. And the Bible said that she began 
to seduce him. She goes up to him. Joe, now I know you're in the governor's home. And I know that God's favor is resting upon you. But would you not rather be with me? Would you not rather have the pleasure of my company? You know, right now you're just over a small group of people in the household. But I am the governor's wife. I can give you more. I can do more for you. All you've got to do is let me seduce you. But Joseph looked at her. And though she may have been gorgeous, and though she may have been able to have offered him quite a bit, he recognized God's favor is on me because I'm in his will. And if I let her seduce me out of his favor and out of his will, then the dreams that he gave me will never come to pass. You know what I've learned? I've learned that when God gives a ministry a dream, when he gives a church a dream, one of the first things that happens after they try to kill it off, because if he can't kill it, he's got to do something to get your eyes off of it. What he'll do is he'll try to seduce you away from that dream. Oh, what are you talking about? Well, I'm going to start out with the preacher, then I'll get to the member. For the preacher, what will happen is as soon as it seems like the dream is failing, as soon as it seems like the dream is just about to dissipate, all of a sudden, a better offer will come along. And somebody will come up to you at camp meeting. Or somebody will call you one day after a council meeting. And they'll say, well, I guess you heard such and such church just came open. And it will be a promotion for you. And I think that you ought to go for it. Or they may say, well, you know, there's an appointment up in Cleveland. And, and that job's going to come open come assembly time. And I think that because, you know, things aren't just going the way it should right now. If you'll just apply for that job, you might get that position. And yes, those things do sparkle in your eye. And yes, it looks beautiful. And yes, it may even give you more than what you've got now. But I want to tell some minister here tonight, when God has given you a dream, there is nothing more beautiful than staying in the will of Almighty God. There is nothing more beautiful than having the hand of God rest upon you. There is nothing more beautiful than knowing that God's favor is in your life. Hear me tonight. Do not give up anything for God's will. It doesn't matter how good it is. It doesn't matter how good it may seem. And, and what might he do is, well, even if it's not in the church, well, you know, I was offered that in the secular field. Maybe I ought to try that out. So we're willing to lose our ministry and lose our calling because there's something brighter over there because I'm in a, I'm in a sticky situation in the governor's palace. My dream's not coming true. From a pit to a caravan to the governor's house? Well, there must be something out there that's better than this because my dreams aren't being fulfilled. And, and members, you, you go through the same thing but in a different scale. Because when God has given your church a dream and your pastor lays out the vision 
and it seems like things just aren't progressing the way it should. You know what, you, you know what you're seduced by? The church down the street that has the bigger programs and, and, and the bigger choirs or praise teams and the bigger children's programs. And, and all of a sudden you see the bright lights of the other church and you'll say, well, you know, we've been here for a long time and it just seems like it's just not going to happen. And I know the pastor laid out the vision six months ago or a year ago or whenever it may be, but it just seems like we're stuck in a rut. We seem like we're stuck in the mud and we can't get any further. So instead of having the dream fulfilled in your life, what you do is you get seduced by the big lights. You get seduced by the bigger buildings and the bigger programs. But literally what you are doing is you are getting out of the will of God for your life. You want me to tell you what's going to happen to you? You're going to get over there and you're going to realize that I am out of the will of God you will not be happy you will not be fulfilled you will not be satisfied because God gave you the vision for your church when your pastor laid it out and you knew you should have stayed there you knew you should have kept teaching that Sunday school class you knew you should have stayed on the worship team you knew you should have held that position and not let it go you get seduced by it if you get seduced by it all that's going to happen is you will lose that favor that God's given you. Members, be careful. When you get out of God's will, just like the minister, his hand will come off of you just as quick as it will me. And you'll find yourself in a more sticky situation than what you were before you left that dream. Oh, thank God for it. But notice this, please. He looked at her and he said, you know, your offer seems mighty good. In fact, I thank you for thinking so much of me. But you are not in my dream. You are not in my dream. The dream that God gave me said that even your husband was going to have to bow to me one day. And even those in your kingdom will bow to me one day. You were not in my dream, so it's best that you just go on your way and get out of my way because I'm going to have my dream fulfilled. So guess what she does? She said, well, if I couldn't seduce them, I'll lie about them. <laughs> I'm going to throw that this is going to be very quick. If the devil can't seduce you to bring you out of that dream, he'll bring lies against you to try to fight against your dream. And he'll whisper in somebody's ear, well, you know what that preacher's trying to do. Or he'll whisper in your ear, well, you know what the board member decided. So, member, you, you're not going to be a part of this. And you didn't have your say. You didn't get your way. And so the lies will begin to take place and the lies will begin to spread. And can I tell you that a lie will spread like a wildfire? And all that lies do is cause problems. Because notice what happens. She lied against him and when Mr. Potiphar gets home, she said, honey, that man that you brought into our house, he flirted with me. Isn't that the way the devil is? When the devil can't get his way, he's like some folk in the church. He'll lie to get what he wants. I feel it, brother. You see, in that lie, he looked at him and said, you are done. 
Now, I've got to be honest with you. I can almost see Joe as his face is flushed. His heart sinks to his belly as he thinks, wait a minute. I, I've just gotten out of the pit. I, I thought I was taking one step up. But now you're mad at me? Not only was he mad at him, he said, now I'm going to throw you into prison. So he goes from the pit to the palace to the prison. But the Bible said that it wasn't any old prison. It was the king's prison. <laughs> Just in case you were wondering, a king is greater than a governor. And sometimes it's better to be in the king's prison than in the governor's house. Yeah. He gets into this prison. And the Bible said that he's standing there waiting on his dream. But the favor of God was upon him. You know why I like Joe? Because he was faithful no matter the situation. He was faithful when the dream came. He was faithful in the middle of the pit. He was faithful in the governor's palace. He was faithful in the king's prison because the Bible said that while he was in that prison, he begins to hear some talk. He begins to hear some chatter and he continues to do the Lord's work. And, and wait a minute though. Isn't he in a holding position? Isn't he in a cell? Isn't he in a place where he just feels bound and constricted? How many times do we feel like that in ministry? And how many times do our churches feel like that? Where we're constrained, we're, we're in a holding cell. We know God's given us a dream. He's given us a vision for the ministry, for the church, for the, for the calling. And yet it seems like we're just sitting they're doing nothing. We're working. I was working in the governor's palace. In fact, he had so much favor on him, the Bible said, that the king's top guard put Joseph in charge of the other men in the prison. He was still working. He wasn't sitting idly by. He wasn't resting on the pew. He was still working even in unfavorable conditions. He was faithful. I'll tell you how your dream will come true. It's when you're faithful in the good times and when you're faithful in the bad times. Your dream will come to pass when you're faithful, when people love you and when people hate you. Your dreams will come to pass even when you're sitting in a holding cell and you keep right on working in the kingdom of God. I want to tell you tonight, you may feel stuck. You may feel like things aren't moving. You may feel like you're going nowhere. But remember this one thing. We might have a waiting room, but God never has a waiting room. Even when I can't see you, you're still working. Even when I can't feel you. You're still working, neighbor. He never stops working on your behalf. How do I know that? <clears throat> because while Joe is working in the prison, he's dealing with some folks one day and he just happens to hear a conversation going on between two men. One was Mr. Baker. The other was Mr. Butler. And he hears them discussing a dream that they had been given. And he hears the whisper. 
I have no idea what this means. You see, Joe, under the anointing of God, comes over to Mr. Butler and Mr. Baker. He said, gentlemen, while in the middle of God's work, he just gave me revelation. And that is, Mr. Baker, the dream that you have been given, the interpretation of it is this. In three days, your head will be taken. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not good news. Mr. Butler, your dream has a different interpretation. Your dream said that in three days, the king who threw you in here is going to restore you to your place in the palace. Mr. Baker breaks down crying. Mr. Butler shouting. And in the midst of that, he finds an opportunity. There's always opportunities. And sometimes we miss those opportunities. We have to be looking for those opportunities because sometimes God will hide a little opportunity around a rock behind a tree. And when we see those opportunities, we can't wait for it to come to us. We must go to them. So that opportunity arose and he goes to the man who's shouting, the man who's happy, the man who's rejoicing because he's going to die, but I'm getting my job back. Mr. Butler, my name is Joe. You're getting ready to go back to the palace and you're getting ready to get your job back. And I know what your job is. Your job is the personal butler to the Pharaoh, to the king. And I want you to do me a favor. Did I give you some good news? If it comes to pass, not that he doubted himself, he was showing this guy, if it comes to pass, you know I'm a prophet of God. Then what I want you to do is I want you to go to that Pharaoh and tell him about me. His words in scripture were, remember me. Just remember me. That's all, that's all I want, just remember me. So he is there waiting just knowing that three days later he's getting ready to get out of that prison. But when you study it, you will discover it was some time. It didn't happen overnight. He's still stuck in the king's prison. Sometimes it seems like dreams take forever to come to pass. Not all dreams happen overnight. Now, some will. But are you patient in the process? What did I share with you Sunday? I am one of the most <laughs> impatient. You see, I know preachers aren't supposed to testify when they're preaching, but I'm testifying to God's still working on me. My sanctification is still happening every day because I'm an impatient person. If I were Joe, I'd be writing letters. Hey, Mr. Butler, um, I think you forgot who I was. I think you forgot where I am. I'm sure I'd already be texting. <laughs> Hello. You know, we had a plan. We had a deal. But he did not push God's agenda. 
Ministers, don't ever push God's agenda. Sometimes in my own personal life, Brother Miller, I have felt like, okay, well, I just had that meeting a couple of weeks ago, and I hadn't heard anything back. <laughs> Hello. But I have learned God's timing is not our timing. And if I push through the process, all it's going to do is put me out of sync with God's will. And all it's going to do is set me back even further than I was. So instead of pushing through the process, he was patient with the process. The Bible said that God in his wisdom knew there's only one way that I can make this all come together for Michael Ball's message. <laughs> because guess what happened to Pharaoh? God gave him a dream. I like being around people that God gives dreams to. Because God gave a dream to Butler. And it just helped push the process in God's plan, not in Joe's plan. And God said, okay, I'm going to give a dream to the highest man in the kingdom. Because I can connect people that have dreams. I, I can put people that dream together in a group together. Preachers, members, don't ever hang around with people that aren't dreaming. If they're not dreaming big for the kingdom of God, you leave them alone. If they're not dreaming for bigger buildings, not just so they can get accolades from the state office, but because they want to fill it with the harvest, that's the people you need to stay with. If they're not dreaming, I, I'm here to tell you, you need to not dream for a bus. No. Uh, don't, don't dream for a church van. Dream for a fleet of buses because you're going to reach this community so big you can't even hold them with one bus. You need to be around people that are dreaming the same dream. You need to be around people that are dreaming big for the kingdom of God. If you are not around people that are dreaming for the kingdom, you need to leave them alone. The Bible said that Pharaoh has a dream. Not one, but two. Notice Joseph had two dreams. They were different, but they were the same. He has two dreams. They're different, but they're the same. The two middle guys, they were different, but they were the same. God's about to do something in your life. It's different, and you're going to die. <laughs> you're going to be restored. He has a dream. His first dream was simple. His second dream was simple. But he couldn't understand it. Not every dream God gives people are hard. Sometimes he just lays it out where it's right there. We just have to be willing to hear him tell us what it is. Not every dream is for mega churches. Sometimes it just starts out with an outreach program. He dreamt, first of all, that there were seven fat cows ready to be carved up and thrown on the grill. And then there were seven ugly cows, nasty looking, ready to die. 
the seven nasty, ugly, dying cows come over and they eat the fat cows. But after they ate them, they didn't look any better. They were still skinny. They were still frail. They were still about to die. Now, in our minds, that makes no sense because if you eat something, you're going to gain weight. <laughs> Not those cows. So God gives them another dream. This time he has seven beautiful ears of corn just ready for the butter and the salt. And then seven nasty, ugly ears of corn that you would not even feed to your swine. But the seven nasty, ugly ears of corn, they trample over and they eat the seven pretty ears, but yet still they are none the better. What does this mean? So he calls in a bunch of people. His magicians come up. Guys, I know that you, you have gifts. And your spiritual wisdom will show me what these dreams mean. I can see the head magician. As he says, now, sir, all we do is pull rabbits out of hats. And all we do is, you know, little cheap tricks. We can't give you the answer. Well, get out of here. Call my politicians over. Call those under me and who are helping me lead the kingdom. Folks, here is my dream. Now, surely in your wisdom as leaders of the land, you will tell me what these dreams mean. <laughs> your Majesty, you know that all we do is write bills that make no sense and pass laws that are no good for nothing. And, and you know all we do is argue back and forth in between the aisle and we would love to help you out, but we do not have that kind of a wisdom. Now I can see as they're standing there, the magicians on this side, the politicians over here, and the king is saying, I've got to have an answer to my question. And, and just behind the king, this hand reaches out with a pitcher of water and shaking, trembling, knowing he's about to speak to the king. He whispers in the ear, your majesty, I know I'm not worthy to even speak, but do you remember that time you threw me into prison? Of course I do. Well, while down there, I too was given a dream I could not figure out. Like yourself, I had answers without questions and questions without answers. Figuring God, nobody knows nothing down here. <laughs> but this one man stepped out of the shadows and he said, Mr. Butler, God gave me the interpretation to your dream. And your majesty, he told me that you were going to bring me back into my job and you were going to kill Mr. Baker. And just as he said it, you killed Mr. Baker, you put me back in my position, and somehow I believe if you will go down to your prison and find this man, his name is Joe. If you get Joe and bring him here, he will be able to tell you your interpretation.
Joe's sitting there waiting. God, you gave me a dream. Lord, I've been ridiculed. I've been hated for it. I've been mocked. I've been put down. I, my own family tried to kill me. Lord, I, I've had to sit in a pit. I was sold off to the enemy. Lord, I, I had to work in a governor's palace. I was seduced by his wife, lied about, thrown into a prison. God, you, you allowed me to minister to people while I was down here, and you gave me the interpretation to their dreams. And I just knew that person that you had put in my path was going to help me get to that place. But God, I'm just sitting here waiting. And then the cell door opens. Is there a Joe still alive down here? God will preserve you till it's your time. <laughs> My name's Joe. The king would like to speak to you. I see him as he freshens up, as he shaves his beard, and as he trims it up just right, and as he goes and asks someone, do you have any clean clothes? I've just been sitting here in the prison. I need something that smells fresh. And he, he cleans himself, and he walks in there into the throne room. And the king says, they say, you have answers to my questions. Here's my question. What does this mean? Well, that's very simple, your majesty. Aren't you glad that the God that gives dreams also gives interpretations? He said, your majesty, it's simple. You are about to suffer the worst seven years that is ever been recorded. And you are about to face the worst seven-year period that this land will ever know. Now, before it happens, you're going to have seven good years. It's going to be the seven best years you've ever known. And you're going to gain a lot of livestock. You're going to gain a lot of grain. And, and you're going to be able to bring in a lot of produce. And guess what? When that seven years comes, if you're not careful, you're going to lose everything that you gain in the seven good years. But the God that gave me the interpretation to your dream has sent me to Egypt to let you know that I can take care of all these problems for you. If you have questions, I have the answers. If you have a problem, I can solve it. Whatever you have need of, the God of heaven has anointed me. The God of heaven has appointed me. The God of heaven has sent me all the way to your kingdom just for this hour. And the Bible said that the king appointed him. Not only did he appoint him as a ruler, but he said there is nobody in the kingdom that is going to be greater than you except for me. He put him in the place of prominence. He put them in the place of power. What is my point? It's very simple. Preachers just hold on. You might be in a waiting cell. You might be in a place of indecision. You may be in a place you don't know how in the world I'm going to get out of it, but there's going to come an hour. There's going to come a day when the world around you is going to have some questions. And even when the false teachers and even when the false preachers and even when the false religionists have no answer, even when the politician, when the president, when the Congress, when the Senate, when they have no answer. That's when God is going to raise you up in these last days and he's going to give you the answer to the question of this world. If you hold on, he's about to raise you up. Somebody lift up your hand and praise him for that. 
He's about to raise you up. But the Bible said, I'm going to be closing here in the next few minutes. The Bible said that he gave him such success that he had everything anybody could ever want. He was the king's right-hand man. And the land went through the famine. And in that hour, in walks his brothers. Unable to recognize him. Sometimes we go through so much when we're done with the battle, we're unrecognizable. Because we face so many years of trial and tribulation, we come out unrecognizable. They walk up to him and they said, sir, we're strangers in your land. But our daddy sent us here because we, like the rest of the land, we're suffering. Well, I think I have something that can help you out, but here's what I need you to do. I need you to leave him here and go and get your daddy and bring him back. Well, sir, it would kill our daddy if, if we had to leave our brother. Well, you're going to have to do it. Well, it might kill daddy if we have to drag him all the way over here. If you want it, you're going to have to do it. When it was all said and done, and there's a lot more in that story, but I, according to that clock back there, I only have ten and a half minutes left. I'm not worried about the clock. When it was all said and done, his brothers, his fathers, and all the land were bowing to him. Because when God gives a dream, it doesn't matter who hates you for it. It doesn't matter how many pits you have to sleep in. It doesn't matter how many days you have to rest in a prison. When God gives a dream, if you stay faithful, if you do not allow yourself to get seduced, if you keep your eyes on the prize, Dreams do come true. But in closing, there was one more dream. Just before Joseph dies, he looks to his family and his brethren. And he says, God sent me here for a season. And I've been faithful. I've done everything he's asked me to do. I'm in this world, but I'm not of it. I want you to do me a favor. When I die, remember where you bury me. Because we're about to go through some tribulation. And you're going to be enslaved for over 400 years.
But God's going to send somebody by to bring us out of this mess. And just as you get ready to go, if you'll do me a favor, just take my bones with you. I want my bones to be in Canaan. He dies for more than 400 years. Those people suffer. For more than 400 years, those people are whipped and beaten. And for 400 years, they are held captive. Captive by the very people that their patriarch Joseph saved. But God sent a redeemer. And Moses walks in and says, let my people go. Well, who sent you? I am did. So for those of you who don't know the story, some plagues happened. Finally got to the point Pharaoh couldn't deal with it anymore, and he said, okay, get out. And the Bible said that just as Moses is getting ready to take the first step toward Canaan, reached down and he picked up this box and he took the bones of Joseph with him in Canaan his bones remain you see God will use you for a purpose he'll use you for a time it may start out it may start out just like Joseph. You, you may even have to travel, travel through Shechem, through Dothan. You may wind up in Egypt. But when God is finally finished with you, you may even come to a point of death. But because you've been faithful, your dream will continue on. Because even in death, he'll take your bones to Canaan. Oh, my God. Father, you are such a good, good father. You are such a wonderful savior. Lord, I... I shared with our pastor that I came this week not knowing what I was going to preach except for this message and for this night. Lord, I do not know the dreams that you have placed in the heart of these pastors that are here. Pastor, Mitchell McLam, Pastor Johnny Chavis, Pastor Wade Miller, Pastor Rob Miller, and Sister Adrian. I do not know the dreams that you have given their, their congregations or their community of faith. I would, I would be embarrassed to even try to begin because, God, my dreams are not their dreams. Their dreams are not mine. I, 
I don't know what you've given them, but I know this. Dreams come true. And my heart is heavy tonight knowing, oh God, that there are those trying to kill it off. Maybe even unknowingly. Father, there are those trying to trying to get rid of the dream. And, and Lord, I, I would almost guarantee that you, you know that the enemy, Lord, has tried to seduce some of these ministries from fulfilling the call that you've placed upon their hearts and the dream that you've given them. Sure, they've had offers and sure there have been greener pastures and brighter fields. But why bow to be a king when God has called them to fulfill a dream of ministry? Father, for these churches that are represented, these ministries you're trying to birth something but we we've got to be patient we've got to be patient with the process we've got to trust in you knowing that through the valley through the fire through the flood through it all your favor is still upon us we can make it. And yes, Lord, there will come a day when we're, we're done. And you're done with us. But that dream still holds true that we'll make it to our heavenly home. But not until we're done with it.